Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. This is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today for the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Our special guest today is Dr. Ryan Sousley. Dr. Ryan is a chiropractor. He's a certified functional medicine practitioner and owner of Summit Family Chiropractic, a max living health center in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Beautiful place if you've never been there. He believes people can heal from almost anything and achieve the highest level of health by applying the principles of mindset, nutrition, fitness, detoxification, and chiropractic. He's also a former college athlete has completed several Ironman triathlons, ultra marathons, and bow hunts and skis in his off-season. He and his wife, Dr. Erin Sousley, have been happily married for 16 years and are raising four beautiful, wild, and free children on a small farm in North Idaho. Dr. Ryan, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Thanks, Alan. I am pumped to be here. And yes, our kids are very wild and free, but it's a, a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And I've got to share just a brief intro there with our audience of uh, who you are. But if you could start us off by just kind of giving us a little more detail into maybe the backstory of how you came to be where you are at this point in your life today. Yeah, so my mom's an ICU nurse. And so growing up, I developed this fascination with health and healthcare. My parents got divorced when I was really, really little. And so I spent a ton of time with my mom. And so even after school, I'd go visit her. And I just spent a lot of time in the hospital observing what was going on. And so naturally, I developed this fascination with health and healthcare. And when I was pretty early in high school, I'd say probably sophomore, I started to recognize that we have this amazing healthcare system when it comes to helping people that are already broken. And we have this amazing system to help people basically be patched up like patch care, crisis care, like what my mom does in the ICU. But I also started to recognize that we have a really, really bad system when it comes to keeping people healthy and well in the first place. And so I, I started having this thought, like, what if we could catch people upstream before they got downriver, before they ended up sick and diseased and broken, there's got to be a better way. You know, there's all these people at the end of the river who are already sick and diseased and broken. There's got to be a way that we can prevent some of this. And so I started looking into fitness, you know, and being an athlete, I was already interested in performance and fitness. Cause I want, you know, selfishly, I wanted to start and then I wanted to get a scholarship and then I wanted to go to college and all these things. And so fitness and nutrition and supplements. And I started reading books pretty early on in high school, just about that stuff and went to college, got a scholarship as a football player and got a degree in exercise science. And then really kind of just stumbled into chiropractic. You know, I had to do a certain number of hours as an internship in order to get credits to graduate. And so I was interning at a physical therapist's office. I was looking into personal training. I was looking into athletic training where you're taping ankles and doing that kind of stuff. And I had a buddy of mine who just said, hey, I don't know if you've ever actually been to a chiropractor, but I know this guy in town, you should go check him out. A lot of what he's saying aligns with things that you've been talking about. And so I went, I sat through this chiropractor's, what he calls a doctor's report, which is basically a new patient orientation class for new patients. And he explained what chiropractic was. And it wasn't even really about getting adjusted. You know, I, I thought he was going to sit there and tell us about how getting adjusted makes your back feel better. And when we pop your spine, your headaches go away. And it was almost not about that at all. It was about this philosophy that the human body is created whole and perfect and that it's designed to be healthy. The default mode is health and wellness. And we're created for a purpose and that we're supposed to have optimal health and we're not supposed to be on drugs and medications and have surgery all the time and end up in a nursing home. And I was like, what in the world? Like, this is the healthcare model I've been looking for my whole entire life. And it just happens to be called chiropractic. And it had very little to do with popping spines, so to speak. So did my internship there, went to chiropractic school, became a chiropractor. And for the last almost decade and a half, I graduated in 2010. So 13 years, I've been pursuing chiropractic ever since where the functional medicine stuff started coming in was 
I realized that chiropractic was the foundation and still is the foundation for what we do to help people get well. But I also wanted to help people on a higher level with nutritional deficiencies, metabolic dysfunction, toxicity issues. And so we've been able to incorporate all of that into our practice model and help people achieve the highest level of health possible. And and selfishly, it's because I want that for myself. You know, being an athlete, being someone who's still on the cutting edge, I I would say for my age and everything, as far as pushing the envelope in terms of doing Ironmans and endurance races and things like that, CrossFit and bow hunting. If you've ever done that, that's not easy physically, Right. but I want to get every ounce of performance out of my body for as long as possible. And I also want that for patients. And so for me, becoming a chiropractor was less about finding a way to make a living. You know, my, my dad always told me when I was growing up, like find something you would do for free because you're that into it, you're that passionate about it, and then figure out how to make money doing it. And when I found chiropractic and this whole model of health and wellness, it was exactly that. And so my wife ended up doing the same thing. We've created this practice and the rest is kind of history. I love it. I love it. So the two of you work together in the same practice, I assume? Not necessarily. (laughs) Okay. We co-own the clinic. So the reason why I say that with a smile is, We homeschool our kids. Ah, yeah. We have four kids. I know you're no stranger to having a bunch of kids. No. You have six kids, correct? We have six and we homeschooled for 18 years. So yes, I understand. I think I remember you telling me that. But anyway, Erin is a chiropractor. She's also certified functional medicine. She helped build this thing from the ground up. But several years ago, we made the intentional decision to have her home with the kids. And she puts every ounce of energy and effort into that, which honestly, I think is a much harder job than what I do, even though our business is booming and we're just getting ready to open a second clinic here in the next month. And we have four doctors on our staff and all this stuff. But even still, like I go home every once in a while and try to help her out with what she's doing. And (laughs) then I go back to work to take a break. Right. No, I understand. They're the heroes. They're the real heroes of the family for sure. What is the Max Living Health Center? Because I know you're Summit Family Chiropractic. I didn't realize you're getting ready to open a second one. So congratulations on that. By the way, I'm getting two questions in one, but in the Coeur d'Alene area as well or somewhere else, the second practice? It's actually in a in a neighboring town called Post Falls. Okay. Yeah. So it's about it's about 20 minutes away. But Post Falls is it's just an area that's growing really, really fast and a large percentage of our patients come from there already. And so it'll be an easy transition. We've got an amazing doctor, Dr. Tanner Klein, who's been with us for two and a half years. He's going to go out and be the lead doctor in that clinic. Perfect. To answer your question about what Max Living is, it's a network of doctors. Okay. Because it's not just a franchise. It's not like you buy a McDonald's and you get the manual and, you know, they get a cut of everything you do every month. It's sort of that, but it's a lot more than that. I always tell people probably the best analogy would be combination of like a church denomination that's kind of over a church. And so the church has freedom within the framework to do church how they want to do it, but they still adhere to a certain doctrine. So it's kind of like that in terms of chiropractic, because if you've been to a chiropractor before, you've been to multiple chiropractors before. A lot of diversity. Yeah. Almost never do you get the same experience, even if you just go to two different ones. So that's part of it. And then it's also kind of like in the world of real estate, you have like a brokerage, like Keller Williams, let's say, and then you can have your own team or your own practice, so to speak, within Keller Williams all around the world. So anyway, Max Living, for lack of a better term, is just a network of doctors that all practice the same way and get coaching. And we all adhere to the same practice model. Gotcha. And I love just kind of the heartbeat behind everything that you said a minute ago, you know, what you're all about, what drew you to the profession the holistic health approach. And I've said for many years now, I believe in it and it goes right in with what I know is in alignment with what you teach and practice and live the human body, the way God created it is, I say often, it's the best hospital in town. We just have to give it the things that I think you said it's designed for health or wellness or however you said that, but. Yeah. I mean, and they've done research now that has, Again and again, this new scientific research on many things ultimately circles back to what the Bible has said all along, which is why I I love when new research comes out and it just validates what has been true forever. It's just now we have science and data to back it up. But there are studies that have been able to prove that that the human body is designed to last between 110 and 120 years with optimal health. 
not 110 years where you live to 75 and then you're on a boatload of medications and you're hooked up to machines and you have someone wiping your butt for the last 10 years of your life, visiting you on holidays in a nursing home. Like that's not health span. That's just lifespan, you know, and there is a difference. And I think that's one of the biggest motivators for me is that there's this huge gap between lifespan and health span. And even just in terms of lifespan, I mean, the average American lives between 79 and 80 years in America but they're only healthy. The average health span in America is like 55 to 60, which means you're losing out on 20 years. That's a quarter of your life. And even if you had a health span of 80, technically you're still losing between 30 and 40 years that your body's created for. And the biggest tragedy in my mind is God created all of us for a purpose. Like he knew us in our mother's womb. He had a purpose and a plan before we even took our first breath on planet earth. And I believe that that plan includes whatever you're supposed to do with your life over the last 30 to 40 years. And so if we're on average losing out on even playing the fourth quarter of the game at like how much impact are we leaving on the table? And so my whole thing is if you want to get everything out of this life that you're created for, you have to consider and be a good steward of your vessel. It's like if you buy a car and you take horrible care of it, of course, it's not going to last as long as it was designed to because you didn't take care of it. And the sad reality is that way too many people put more energy, effort, and money into their vehicles or their pets than they do their own personal body and their health. And I think that it's just because they're not looking at the big picture. So that's my whole thing is if you want to win your life, you've got to win your health. So good. So good. I love it. I love it. And I love that you even talked about the car. I love using the analogy. I know supplements is a part of what you believe strongly in from everything I've gathered, but like in our business and Nicole and I's business, when we start talking about nutrition and supplements, I love using the analogy of the oil change, you know, because some people will say, well, I might take a supplement and I don't feel a difference. I don't notice a difference the next day or the next month or even three months later, again, depending on what they're taking, you know, right. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe you don't, but you also probably don't notice a difference after you change the oil in your car, how the vehicle drives the next day either. Yeah. But science has shown that the longevity of that engine is going to be much greater if you change the oil as opposed to not. And I just love what you're saying. And I think even like when you mentioned the adding potentially 30, 40 years to someone's life, healthy years. I love that. I love how you said that the health span instead of the lifespan. Right. When I think about my life and I was challenged many years ago to really think about, Hey, am I living my life to die at 80? Well, obviously knowing God could take me in my sleep tonight, you know, or in a car wreck tomorrow. Yeah. I understand that. But am I planning and strategizing and investing to live my life to 80 or to 120? It changes things. And the one oh, yeah. thing I think about, I think, and you touched on this, you know, it's like the last 30 or 40 years of our life or the last 20 or the last whatever, that's when we've gained the most experience. We've made the most mistakes. We've hopefully gained the most wisdom and knowledge and can be, they can be our most productive and we can be of greatest service. Maybe said another way, you know, and I'm thinking, I know you well enough to know, wouldn't you say you, you view your life that way? Like that, that's when you can be even greater service at 80, if you're healthy or 90, than when you were 30, based on the knowledge and experience and life behind us, right? Oh, totally. I mean, by the time I graduated college, I had one grandparent left. And the sad thing was that at that point, I was just starting to realize how much wisdom they actually had to offer. Because yeah. when you're a kid, you're like, eh, that's just grandpa or that's just grandma. Like, can we just watch TV? Like, you know, <laughs> keep that to yourself. But by the time I was actually mature enough to appreciate it, they were gone. Yeah. And every single one of my grandparents died of what's classified as preventable illness or preventable disease, you know, heart disease, diabetes, cancer. Those are the big three. Right. And every single one of them died of preventable illness. And so again, part of my motivation is like, man, I missed out. So selfishly, it's like, I missed out on what I could have gleaned from my grandparents because they didn't take care of themselves. And I know they didn't do it intentionally. Nobody ever does. Nobody intentionally goes out and gets cancer, but it's this guilt by omission. Like you today, and I always tell patients this and people I get to influence, like the scale is not an accident. It's not an accident what the number on the scale says today. It's not an accident what your blood sugar is. It's not an accident what your BMI is. It's not an accident what your blood panel looks like. You are a perfect representation of all the choices you've ever made in your life up to this exact moment. It's not a mistake. Right. Whether you meant to or not, it doesn't really matter you're at point A right now. And that's the bad news that maybe you don't like point A, 
Most of us wish that point A looked different, even if point A is not terrible. But either way, that's the bad news. The good news is there's a point B. Right. And so my job, whether it's with patients in the clinic or people that I get to coach, my job is to take you from point A right now to point B. And point B could be whatever you want it to be, but we got to define it. You got to recognize that you are at point A and then let's either crawl, walk, run, or sprint. You choose, but we'll get towards point B, but you have to be intentional. You also have to just understand that if you don't, most likely, and that's the thing, if you look at statistics in America today, five out of six people die of heart disease, cancer, or diabetes, which are all by definition preventable. You don't have to have those things. And when people say, well, everyone in my family has it, so I'm probably going to get it. Genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. You don't have to have anything because the truth is it started with someone in your family at some point, right? And it just so happens that they pass down all these bad habits to you. The bad habits aren't genetic, right? They might be familiar, because everyone in your family does them, but they're not genetic. They're not a death sentence. They're not a guarantee. You have control over your own life. You know, that's the good news. The bad news is you have control over your life, which means you have to be intentional. Otherwise you leave it up to chance. So yeah, it's good news or bad news, depending on how the person receiving it chooses to take ownership of it. Right. I think that's the difference. Do we want to be a victim or do we want to take ownership of those things? Those choices you're talking about. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I know it sounds cliche and we've all heard it, but I can't help anybody who doesn't want to be helped. Right. And I think a lot of times what people think help is, is me doing it for them or they want a magic supplement. Like Alan, why can't I just take this supplement and I didn't feel any different. So it's not working. Well, the supplements, one ingredient or one element of this equation called life and your choices. <laughs> right. It's not just one thing. You can't just be healthy by taking supplements. You can't just be healthy by only exercising. You can't just be healthy by visualizing and being intentional with your thoughts. You know, that's why, like I always tell people, what I do is whole person healthcare. You're not just a spine. I can't just adjust you and have all your problems go away. Now, are there people and scenarios where getting adjusted results in a so-called miraculous recovery? Sure. Just like there are people that take a supplement and it seems like this miraculous thing. Well, probably all the other elements of that person's lifestyle and choices were already in alignment. And that was the one thing that was missing. When you get all those things put together, that's where you see the manifestation. But yeah, it's not one thing fixes everything. There is no panacea, so to speak, when it comes to health. You're a whole person, which means you got to address the whole person. Love it. Before I jump to my next question, I did want to ask you, your business practice, is it all local? Or is it online or virtual as well? It's all local for right now. I mean, eventually I do have a vision to be able to help people virtually because I, I get requests all the time from people on social media right. and friends of patients or people that just don't live local. Like, hey, do you have virtual consulting or telehealth or whatever? Yeah. Right now I don't. I just don't have the bandwidth. But I do see such a need for that. And being an ambitious guy, I would love to be able to help people all over the place. Currently, my allegiance, I think is a good way to put that. My yep. allegiance is to my core people. You know, it's to my family. So I got to protect them first and make sure there's nothing that takes away from that. Then it's my patients and my current team and my current clinics. You know, us opening a second clinic is one step closer to that. But we have played with the idea of virtualizing things and making it more available, not in person. Good deal. Well, regardless, you've had a ton of success in talking about the 120 year lifespan in 12 years, a relatively short period of time. I heard you say you've got four doctors working in your practice. You're launching a second location there in Post Falls and obviously having a ton of success in your business and in your health. I know you just finished an Ironman. Was it Saturday? No, it was Sunday. It was two days ago. Two days ago. Two days yeah. ago as of this recording. That's why I look a little sunburned here. Yeah, that's a several hours to be out there. And congratulations on breaking your PR by 20 minutes. That's awesome. Thanks. What would you say is a practical key to your success that you could share with our listeners? I think this is probably something that people are going to hear and they're going to be like, oh yeah, I've read a million books on that. Or I've heard Alan say this a million times. But the reason why you've heard it so many times is because it's so stinking true. You have to have a vision. You have to have a vision for what you want and you have to write it down. It's not good enough to just think about it in your mind. It's not good enough to write it down once and put it away in a drawer. Again, sorry for the cliche and the analogy, but 
to a destination unknown, any road will get you there. You're at point A right now. If you don't know where point B is and you can't clearly define it, I think Patrick Gentempo, Dr. Pat Gentempo said this. He said, to the extent that you have clarity on your vision is proportionate to the amount of frustration that you're going to have in your life. To the extent that you have clarity of your vision, how well can you define it? Can you see it? Can you smell it? Can you taste it? What does it feel like? What does it actually feel like on your fingertips? What's your identity? What are your emotions around this thing when you actually achieve it? To the extent that you can define it is proportionate to the extent or the amount of frustration that you're going to have in your life. And basically what he's saying is everyone wants something different, right? You go out in the street and you ask 10 people, do you want the same as what you have in your life right now? Or do you want better? <laughs> Especially when it comes to your health, but we could apply this to anything. Do you, yeah. do you want the same amount of money you have right now? Or do you want more? Everyone wants better. That's normal. I think that's part of the way God designed us is really what we're seeking is him, which is probably a topic for another time. But I think we all have this void that we're trying to fill. We're trying to reach our potential. I think really deep down, if you were to really break it down, the reason why people want more, it's not because we're greedy. It's not because we're materialistic. It's because we know that God put this amazing potential in our bodies and in our hearts. And we know that we're not there. I love that. My personal belief is that we're never going to get there and we're not supposed to. Right. That's the whole point. If we could do it all on our own, we wouldn't need him. Right. Or if we could do it all on our own, and maybe even if he did help us and we gave him the credit, then what? It's like, well, then life's probably over. You probably should go to heaven now. <laughs> so I don't believe that whether you give God the credit or not, I don't believe we ever actually reach it, whatever it is. The problem is that most people have never taken the time. And I'll tell you what, this is way harder than it sounds. Like people think like, oh, you just sit down you think about all the things you want in your life. And I want so many things. This should be easy. I'll just get out a piece of paper and 10 minutes later, I've got this vision for my life. Try it. If you've ever actually done this, I mean, they do entire retreats that take days or weeks <laughs> to figure out what's actually in your heart. Right. And the reason why it's hard is because it's not a dollar amount. It's not stuff, it's impact, it's legacy, it's the ability to do and experience life. But again, if you don't know it exactly what that looks like, you're going to be frustrated. And the reason why you're frustrated is because A, you're not making progress and B, you don't know what you're making progress towards. One of my Sousley isms is you got to have a race on the schedule. What does that mean? Well, if there's a race on the schedule, I know why I'm going to the gym every day. If there's not a race on the schedule, maybe I'm just not motivated enough. Maybe some people can do this. I just don't get motivated enough waking up in the morning saying, well, I just want to be healthy and live a long life. That's not motivating. That's That might be inspiring. It's motivation that gets you out of bed in the morning. It's inspiration that keeps you going. You know, motivation short-term, inspiration's long-term. People have probably heard that, but it's so true. If you're not motivated by something short-term, it's short-term goals, long-term vision. My pastor always says 2020 vision, near and far. You got to have short-term goals, long-term vision, but most people haven't taken the time to actually write it out. Yeah. So I know that's a really long answer, but I can't emphasize that enough. Write it down. And it's a great answer. And I think one of the reasons is I was listening to you share that. I was thinking, yes, it's so much more challenging to write out a clear and compelling life vision, life plan, whatever you want to call it. But the vision is because it's multifaceted and you touched on that. It's so much more if, if it was just, oh, make six figures, be a millionaire. Like you said, if it was just a dollar number. That's easy. Yeah. Knock it out in two minutes. But it's not. It's not. It's, it's our health. It's relational. It's spiritual. It's financial. It's all these things. And when you start to put all the things that really matter into a vision, you're right. It takes some thought. It takes some time. It takes some prayer. Somebody shared with me the other day, they thought that the key to success was progress. That's what I was thinking about as you were describing yeah, it. Totally. It's like, it is progress. You'll never make the destination, but it's progress that we're wired to accomplish, right? To make progress, hopefully towards a meaningful, lasting, eternally impactful goals in these different areas of our life, right? But if we're making progress, we're going to feel accomplished and feel good when we're not making, I'll speak for myself. And I think this is most of us, if we're not making progress, it doesn't feel great. And it's hard to make progress, as you said, towards a goal or vision that you don't have. How do you know where you're going? Any road will get you there. If you don't know, as you said, that was 
really some great golden nuggets you just shared. I love it. Love it. Love it. What would you say has been one or more of the bigger challenges in life? Just to encourage all of our listeners that are sitting here going, well, yeah, that's great for Alan and Dr. Ryan and everyone that, you know, have whatever this success physically or financially or whatever, relationally, they don't understand what I've got going on in my life. I love asking this question just so we can all be reminded that everybody has challenges. So I'd love for you to share. Well, and again, not to be cliche, but the biggest tests produce the biggest testimonies. And so I think what people have to realize and appreciate is that when they do see people who are really successful, they probably don't see all the trials and tribulations that happened leading up to that point. So I've got many that I could share. I I think just to maybe encourage people that might be struggling with a health issue, the biggest health struggle that I ever had is I tore my Achilles tendon six years ago playing basketball. So I was visiting another chiropractor friend in Chicago and I was just observing his office. So I was just literally just a fly on the wall, taking notes. How do you do things? How can I get better? What can we implement? And so he's like, hey, I play on this men's basketball league on Tuesday mornings. It's a bunch of like ex-college athletes. You know, it's not just your average pickup game. I'm like, yeah, dude, let's play. Like I love hooping. In fact, in college, I played college football, but I actually spent more time in the gym playing hoops in the off season. So I love playing basketball, but I had been training for Ironmans for probably three or four years. And so if you don't know, Ironman is very slow and steady. It's an endurance sport. Basketball is the exact opposite. It's a lot of start and stop. It's a lot of really quick explosive movements. Well, your body will do whatever you train it to do. It also becomes deconditioned to not be able to do things that you don't do consistently. So me being competitive, I went out there and within the first 30 minutes, you know, we played one game and I did fine. The second game took a shot from the top of the key, stepped back to run forward to get the rebound. And it felt like a gunshot. And if you know anything about Achilles ruptures, in fact, if you Google it and you look at, you know, what's the stereotypical Achilles rupture experience, it was exactly like it happened. And I literally turned around to see who shot me. Wow. Because it felt and sounded like a gunshot and everybody stopped. And everybody's like, what in the world? And my background being a chiropractor and having to take classes on orthopedic testing and that kind of thing, like after two or three seconds of reality set in, I'm like, oh, and I knew it. So long story short, I tore my Achilles tendon. It was a two centimeter separation. So it was completely torn. It wasn't just a slight tear. It was a complete rupture. And you know, I was like two months away from doing a half Ironman. So obviously that was out of the question. And I initially thought like, well, for sure, I'm going to have to have surgery because there's these two tendons. They tore like a rope. If you cut a rope in half and they have a lot of tension on both sides, probably the only way to get those ends to heal is to go in there surgically and put them back together, stitch them up, and then let your body heal it with scar tissue and all that stuff. So I thought that was the plan. And a few days went by, of course, I went to an orthopedic surgeon when I got back to town and that's what he told me too. He's like, you're young, you're fit. You want to be able to continue to use this thing. You have to have it surgically repaired. So I set up the OR appointment to actually go in and have surgery. And I started thinking to myself, and this is kind of one of my diseases, if you will, is I question everything, especially when it comes to health. Like there's this status quo, right? But at the same time, I read enough and I know enough of the statistics that I know that the status quo isn't always the best option. Right. So I started thinking to myself, do I have to have this surgically repaired? Is there anyone, and this is a valuable lesson that's always stuck with me that I think could encourage someone today. Is there anyone on planet earth who is able to accomplish this? And I don't believe that anyone else is any more gifted. Maybe they're more gifted, but if they could do it, I think I could do it too. And so I started researching, I started finding just small, small, small handfuls of people that have been able to overcome an Achilles tear without surgery. And so I remember sitting in the kitchen with my wife the night before the operation. I mean, it was like you had to call and confirm with the OR by like six o'clock PM or something. We're sitting there, it's like 530 and we're talking about what the next morning is going to be like. I had to be there at like 4 AM and I had to fast overnight and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just something about it that just doesn't feel right. I'm not against surgery. I'm not against this orthopedic surgeon. In fact, he's a board certified athletic specialist. He's best in town. Nothing against him. It just doesn't feel right. And one of our kids came running through the kitchen. And I'm like, man, if God could take a cell from you and a cell from me, 
put them together in your womb. And then nine months later, we have that. That's a miracle. There's no way that you can't take two ends of a tendon and bring them back together. I know I got to do my part. It's not like I'm just going to sit on the couch and Netflix binge and eat pizza, but surely it's possible. Long story short, I've canceled the appointment. I told the surgeon, I'm not going to have surgery. And he straight up told me, he goes, listen, it's going to be a year before you even run. Mm. And you may never recover from this. And most likely you won't be a competitive athlete ever again, because it's just not going to heal. Well, if you knew me, you'd know that that's actually probably the best thing that you could tell me, because I'm going to do everything in my power to prove you wrong. So I hired the help of a physical therapist in town who thinks very much like I do. And I recruited the wisdom of a bunch of other chiropractors who are athletes. And within six months, I was running. In fact, two months after the rupture, I participated in the half Ironman relay and I swam. So I had a big boot on my leg and I swam with a wetsuit on. And then a patient of ours did the bike. And then my wife actually did the run. So I still got to compete. I was not going to be denied. I was getting in the water. I love it. I was going to get a medal no matter what. And then six months later, I was running. And then 13 months after I tore my Achilles, I completed the Whistler Canada Ironman. Wow. And it was really slow. Like I'm not proud of my splits or my runtime. I walked a bunch and all that. But to me, it was just validation and confirmation that my body could heal. And there's nothing special about me. That's what I want people to hear is there's nothing special about my body. I love the saying, pray as if it's up to God, but act as if it's up to you. Right. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, every day I'm praying and I'm visualizing and I'm imagining my body healing and those tendons coming back together. But you bet your ass that I was also taking massive action. I mean, I was taking collagen and bone broth and curcumin and eating an anti-inflammatory diet and then doing whole body vibration stabilization exercises and getting adjusted extra and you know all these different rehab things, but my body healed. And I think that if my body can heal from that, your body can heal from just about anything. I love it. I love it. And that is a great example of what I was saying earlier. The human body is the greatest hospital in town. And like you, I'm thankful for surgeons. I'm thankful for Western medicine when it's needed. And I'm also even more thankful when it's not. Exactly. So you completed a full Ironman. Either one is amazing. But was that, I know you've completed several, but was that a full Ironman 15 months later? It was a full Yep. And and for all of our listeners, that's over 140 miles, 140 miles, roughly 138 miles out of the water, just between the bike and the run. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah. It's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a 26.2 mile run. Which is a marathon on top of all that. <laughs> so what is your biggest takeaway from that? What would you say is the biggest benefit or lesson learned from going through that challenge? I believe that God never wastes your pain. I think that's a, a big lesson that people need to realize that God never wastes your pain. You're going through some kind of pain right now. Everyone is. You might be having financial pain. You might be having marital pain. You might be having physical pain. You might've just torn your Achilles tendon. You might have business or professional pain. God never wastes your pain. There is purpose in the pain and it's not for you. Of course, I'm really excited that I got to complete an Ironman and I got to take the picture with the medal and blah, blah, blah. Turns out that it had nothing to do with me. It turns out that that whole experience was not about how I could be on a podcast someday bragging about how I completed an Ironman because it was super slow. It was my worst Ironman time ever. And I've done a few since then, but that's not even the benefit. The benefit is that the purpose was that I can look a patient, and I've done this with thousands of people now. I've probably even reached more people through podcasts and through telling the story through other venues, but I can look someone in the eye right now and have absolute confidence that their body can heal because mine did. And I had to do a bunch of stuff. So it's not like we just close our eyes and cross our fingers and sing Kumbaya and it's all swell. But I believe that your body can heal from just about everything. And like, like you said, I mean, thank God that we have surgeons and hospitals and people that can perform crisis care if and when that's necessary. But my perspective is that that doesn't even matter. The whole purpose or the whole point of this thing for me is not that I didn't have the surgery because I think that whether I had had the surgery or not, I would have had to have done the same things to have gotten to where I ended up. Right. That's not the right question. The question isn't, should I have the surgery or not? 
the question isn't, should I take the medication? Should I not? The question is, what's the rest of your life going to look like regardless? Because the surgery is not the thing that healed me. It was all the other stuff that I did. Listen, when someone has a heart attack and they give you a brand new heart, why is it that over half those people have another heart attack? They just got a brand new stinking clean heart. Statistically speaking, over 50% of people that have one heart attack, even after a brand new heart's implanted in their body, have a second heart attack. Why is that? It's not because you had a crummy heart and that God made a mistake when he built you. It's all the crap that you did to your heart over the course of 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So the question isn't, should I get a brand new heart? The question is, what else are you going to do about it? Right? Yeah. And so I think that was the point is to be able to encourage other people and also get them to think differently that the question isn't should you or shouldn't you do this procedure the question is what am i going to do about it you know it's control what you can control and speaking of happiness and progress i think that's where people get bogged down is they get discouraged and they get depressed about all these variables that they have no control over i can't control the fact that i tore my achilles tendon what i can control the fact of is i can put a garbage bag over my boot and go to the pool I can do that. I'm not necessarily going to get a great workout in, but at least I feel good about doing something. Yep. You know what I mean? Like control what you can control. I will take credit for this. Maybe someone else said this at some point, but I had this thought flash, this God download, if you will, that when things are going well, focus on the macro, focus on the big picture. When you feel like life is just rolling and it's all cylinders firing, Focus on the big picture, because I think that's when God wants us to double down and expand our vision beyond what you're, because it's too easy to get lazy and fat with what you're doing currently. So when things are going well, focus on the macro. When things are going poorly, focus on the micro. Because when things are going poorly, when the chips are down, it's so easy to look at the big picture and just assume that your life is over, that you're never going to recover, that your business is always going to be failing, that you're never going to achieve the level of success and freedom that you want. And it's really easy to just get down in the dumps and just feel defeated. But if you just focus on the micro, what can I do right this second? Like literally as you're ending this podcast today, what can you do right this second? that will at least move you a fraction of an inch closer to where you want to be in life. That's the micro. That's like, what am I going to eat for dinner tonight? When it comes for your health, forget about the fact that you're a hundred pounds overweight or that you're on a bunch of medications or that whatever, you can't do a single pushup. Forget about all that. What can you do right now? That's the micro. You you can get on the floor and try to do a push-up. <laughs> you can right. turn your phone off and go for a walk. You can choose to take the bun off your burger when you go to the restaurant tonight. Those are all choices you can make. And those are the micro. So when things are going well, focus on the macro. When things are going poorly, focus on the micro. Speaking of advice, is that the advice you'd give to somebody that's right in the middle of their storm right now? They've got a strained relationship. Like I know you'd shared with me, you have with your biological father. I I have the same with mine. So I can relate with you on that or a health challenge or financial challenge or whatever their challenge or adversity is they're facing right now. What advice would you give to them in the middle of their storm? Well, two things. One is what I just said. It's focus on the micro control, what you can control and don't worry about anything else. Two though, is that you have to realize that it takes a Goliath to reveal a David. Good. You just have to know that there is a David. And if people aren't familiar, go read the story, David and Goliath. You probably are, but just in case. David wouldn't have been David without a Goliath. And maybe your Goliath is a torn Achilles tendon. Maybe your Goliath is a strained relationship. Maybe your Goliath is massive failure in business. Maybe your Goliath is a failed marriage. Maybe your Goliath is estranged children, whatever it is. And for most of us, there's going to be multiple Goliaths. It's like, you know, I've had seasons in my life where it's like, man, it's not just one giant. There's like six of them. And I have one sling and one stone. Like this is going to get ugly. People don't realize though, that in that story of David and Goliath, that David conquered Goliath. And it wasn't for another, I think 13 or 14 years before he actually became king. One of my favorite books, Dale Mast is the author. And he wrote, and David perceived he was king. That's the title of the book. And David perceived he was king. It's a sleeper book. So, you you know, I saw your list of questions. It's like, hey, what would you recommend? What are your favorite quotes? 
yes, I've read all the big ones, the Think and Grow Rich and the Compound Effect by Darren, you know, all the typical ones. This, in my opinion, this is the number one sleeper book that almost nobody's ever heard of. Love it. And yes, there's a lot of biblical reference, but regardless of your faith background, this book has probably stuck with me and revolutionized my mindset more than anything else because number one, it takes a Goliath to reveal a David. So you have to have challenges. If there's no challenges in your life right now, I would be worried. Right. It's because you're probably not a threat to the enemy or any kind of substantial change in the world. So be happy about it and find the opportunity. Be glad that you tore your Achilles tendon. And I know it's hard in the moment because it's like, God, why this sucks? Like how in the world is this good? But if you've ever been there, you always know that you can look back and go, man, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I didn't see it at the moment, but looking back now I get it. Right. Number two, though, is that it takes faith. Faith is what you believe God can do. Identity is what you believe God can do through you. And that's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. It's one thing to say, oh, God could end world hunger. God could heal my diabetes. God could heal my diabetes if he wanted to. I have faith. That's not the same thing as saying my identity is that God made me whole and perfect and that the design of the human body is such that it can overcome diabetes or cancer or a torn Achilles tendon, but God's going to do it through me, not just in me, but through me, which means I have to actually do something, which I think subconsciously is the reason why it's the number one reason why people don't take action is because they know they have to do something about it. It's a lot easier just to say, I believe God can do it. Right. It's a lot more challenging to say, yeah, I believe God can do it, but like God could have just struck Goliath down with a bolt of lightning. He didn't do that. What did he do? Well, he put courage in this little puny guy's heart named David who took this sling and a stone and no body armor because it was too heavy. And that's how he did it. But David had to sling the stone and then he had to wait over a decade to actually take the throne, you know, so not to beat it up too much, but that would be it. I love it. What great advice. I know many entrepreneurs, not all, but many entrepreneurs listen to this show. Do you have a favorite success quote that you might be willing to share? Well, I think I shared it. I mean, when things are going well, focus on the macro and things are going poorly, focus on the micro. I love it. But I think there's so much practical application in that. To me, that's just something that I've been able to lean on on almost a daily basis. Right now, we're in a season, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth. And we're in this season right now where things are going really well. Like, I think we're harvesting all the hard work, all the planting that we've done for finding and hiring and training doctors and team members and finding a building that we could purchase and then building it out and then putting this other clinic in there. You know, we're seeing this time of harvest and it's really easy to just kind of sit back and ride the wave and yeah. spend the money and enjoy the freedom and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but the, the the tide doesn't always come in. There is a point where the tide actually goes back out. That's the law of the universe, right? Yeah. And so it's really easy to not focus on the big picture when things are going really well. But I think that's the time when we're supposed to, I think in order to be good stewards of the vision that God's put in our hearts, I think that's our call is to press in even more when things are going well. I love it. And I love too, even that you talked about seasons and it's almost like there's periods of time when the challenges aren't really hammering. You're in quote unquote good times or easier times. And then there's times like you mentioned, you know, they're just pounding you. And it's, it's kind of interesting. You just mentioned riding the wave and used wave because waves are my analogy throughout the book that I'm writing and I've been writing for some time and by the same title, Life's Hard Succeed Anyway, that hopefully will be out in August, September of this year. So we're getting really, really close. I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. I'm not a big surfer, although I did do a little surfing in college on the central coast of California and almost drowned. And I tell that story in the book, but maybe I did drown. I'm not sure what the definition of drowning exactly is, but I'm living to tell about it. But I've said that waves, they come in sets, you know, so I don't claim to be a good surfer, but they do come in sets. You know, you, you wait for a, a set of waves and then boom, 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 big one after big one after big one. And then not really for a while. I just think that's the way life is, as you were kind of describing with challenges. What would you say is one habit that has helped you become and continue to be successful in your life? Well, to get really practical, it's to win your morning. 
I know everyone talks about the morning routine, but yeah. I can tell you that there is no one specific morning routine that works for everybody. So, I mean, I know guys that don't read anything and I know guys that read for an hour and a half. I know guys that journal. I know guys that don't journal. I know guys that do ice baths or sauna or workout or what, you know, pray and meditate and visualize forever. Listen, all that stuff's good. My opinion is whatever gets you going, whatever fills your spirit that we have always looked at it as like, when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to love your kids. You don't have to kiss your wife goodbye. You don't have to work out or drink a smoothie or you don't have to do anything. And you also get to set the thermostat for the rest of your day. And so my opinion is the way that you orchestrate or architect, I like the way you architect and build your morning and your morning routine could be seven minutes. It's not about spending an hour and a half. It could be seven minutes. But the way that you architect your morning, it's the temperature that you're setting the thermostat at for the rest of the day. And in my opinion, just really practically speaking, because I've got a lot of people that I manage, I've got a lot of kids that I manage, I've got just stuff that's happening. I can control the most amount of variables in the morning. Some people can do this at night. For me personally, I'm toast after about seven or eight o'clock at night. Like I'm no good to anybody, especially myself after that hour. However, I can easily get up at four or 4.30 and be super productive. I don't know if you've ever done the chronotyping. You know, there's basically people have one of four different chronotypes. I'm a lion, so I'm super productive in the morning and I am not productive at all in the evening. But my point is that by winning your morning, you get to set the thermostat of the rest of your day and you attract whatever you focus on. So I want to give people something really, really practical, and I call this the three threes. So if you're looking for actual action steps, this is mine. You can adapt this however you want. I wrote a little ebook on this that I give to patients. It's called Win Your Morning. I don't even know if it's still out there, but these are my three threes. This is the essence of it. My three threes are three things that I'm grateful for, three current goals. These aren't big picture life vision 30 years from now. These are in the next 90 days, I'm accomplishing this. So the Coraline Ironman was on the list just this morning because I didn't journal yesterday. I was too busy recovering and not walking. But just this morning, got back into my journal and I checked that box and now there's a new one that goes in there. But it's three goals that I'm currently pursuing right now. And then the last three are the three musts that I must do today to move me towards those goals. The reason why that's important is because, especially for this demographic, I mean, the people that listen to your podcast, there's no question, you guys are busy people. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a busybody, you're probably type A, you're a go-getter. And I can relate to the fact or the idea that a lot of times we are so stinking busy, but we're not necessarily productive. We feel like we're just stacking and unstacking chairs from one side of the room to the other and back and forth. It's like, I'm so busy, but I don't actually feel like I'm accomplishing anything. I don't actually feel productive. Well, that could just be it. Life becomes more about the busier or the more successful you become, it becomes more about what you say no to and less about what you say yes to, right? And so for me, it's like, I got to make sure that at least these three things get done today and maybe 17 things get done. But at the very least, these three things are getting done today and they have to correlate with my three goals. If they don't correlate, it means I'm busy doing things that don't really matter. Do I do things outside of things for the, of course. I mean, all of us do, especially if you're an entrepreneur or business leader. But those are my three threes. And I do those every single day. I do it on vacation. And that's the thing with the morning routine. If it's not something you would want to do on vacation, you shouldn't ever do it. You know, maybe some people agree with that. Not my morning routine. I look forward to so much. And it's not about, oh, so I can be successful and efficient and proficient in the office. It's not, it's not about that. It's because the way that I've constructed it for me it gives me so much life and energy that I wouldn't want to miss it, even on vacation. I might now, if I'm on vacation, maybe I'll do it at eight o'clock instead of four o'clock or, you know, something like that because I'm sleeping in or whatever. But even still, it's like I do that, then it's on to working out, make my smoothie, affirmations and positive music on the way to work, all that. But practically speaking, I think this could change someone's life. The three threes. Because gratitude puts your mind in a certain mindset. You, They've done brain mapping studies and they have found that you cannot, it's physically impossible, biochemically, 
impossible to be in a state of anxiety and depression at the same time that you're in a state of optimism and gratitude. Can't happen. But you have to control that because if the first thing you do is you check your phone, instantly the first thought you're going to have is, man, I wish I had that person's body. Man, I wish I had that person's car. Oh man, look, this guy celebrated another thing of success. It's like, it's just not a great way to start your day or spend any amount of your time, in my opinion. But control what you can control. Take every thought captive, like the Bible says, start your day with gratitude, but then also remind yourself of what you're working on and then give yourself a roadmap for what it needs to look like today to inch yourself closer to success. So good. So good, Ryan. I love that. And I just couldn't help but think as you're talking about that, that is biochemically impossible for the brain to be worrying and truly giving thanks and being grateful at the same time of that Philippians 4 passage. I mean, he tells us to be anxious for nothing. And then just a few words later, he's saying, but in everything with thanksgiving. Yeah. It just reminded me of how this conversation we we had here started talking about just how fun it is to see science confirming what the Bible has said for thousands of years. So cool. I love asking this question. What would you say is your definition of success? We, everyone says they want to be successful. Who wouldn't want to be? But everybody has a little different definition of it. And many of them I agree with, even though they're different. I'd love to hear yours. I've done a lot of thinking about this question over the years. And as with most things, even in chemistry, when you continue to distill down something, it becomes more and more simple. And so for me, I have found that although this sounds overly simplified, I believe that the definition of success is joy. And there's a difference between joy and happiness. Right. When I'm eating a pizza from this local shop in town called Vicino's, which if you ever come to North Idaho, they have the best gluten-free pizza on planet Earth. I'm really happy while I'm devouring that whole entire pizza by myself. That's not the same thing as joy. When I saw all four of my kids who are 11, 9, 6, and 3 participate in the Iron Kids race that they do the day before Ironman, and I saw them stretching and drinking their electrolyte drink and warming up and putting on their little Iron Kids hat and their t-shirt, and then they got their Iron Kids medal, that's joy. You can't buy joy. You cannot buy joy. So what's the difference? Happiness can come from things that you can buy. Joy, there's no price tag. And so I think for me, success, and I think you have to do this a while in order to really understand what brings you joy. In my clinic, it brings me joy to watch other doctors succeed and to see them overcome limiting beliefs and to step into their own. It brought me a lot of happiness to complete an Ironman after I tore my Achilles tendon what I'm realizing now is that it wasn't joy. Joy came from me being able to look someone in the eye and tell them that their body could heal. That's joyful. I was happy about completing the race and being able to walk again and run and all those things, but it's not the same thing as joy. And so to distill it down, in my opinion, the definition of success is joy. And I think ultimately joy comes from being in alignment, in perfect alignment and I think this is why we oscillate back and forth. None of us operate in this all the time, which again, I think is the point. I think it's supposed to be this way. I don't think anybody does this, but it's the pursuit of being in alignment with God's purpose and plan for your life. I think that's where true joy comes from. And that's also why joy comes from things that aren't really about you. Because if we were to really stop and think about it, God's purpose and plan for your life is not about you. I think we all know that up here, and yet most of our days are spent chasing after the things that are going to bring us happiness, not necessarily joy. When deep down, we know that joy is really what we're after. So good. I love that definition. It's simple yet profound and so true. As we start to wind this up, when you think about the future, is there something like right now, and I know it can change day to day, maybe month to month, but there's something right now that you're really excited about when you think about the future? I thought about this question and there's a lot of answers. I'm excited about a lot of things that I'm doing and that we're doing and scaling and all that stuff. I think collectively, what I'm excited about is that people are waking up. People are starting to ask really good questions about health and about information and about people where they're getting their information. And I think what it's causing, and this is not a political statement or discussion, I know. 
what I'm excited about is that people are finally taking responsibility. And I believe that as long as you take full responsibility for your health, for your finances, for your family, for the decisions that you make, for your business, if you take full responsibility, no one can ever take that away from you. You retain personal power. Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, he was a psychiatrist who was put in prison in Auschwitz during World War II in the Nazi concentration camp. He was a Jew. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. He wrote that in the moment of stimulus, when something happens or you're faced with a decision between then and how you respond, there's this little moment of decision. And that decision is yours. Someone calls you a name. Someone takes something from you. Someone dies. Something happens. You tear your Achilles tendon. You get a diagnosis. This thing that happens to you between then and how you respond is your decision. And that's the one thing. I mean, they took this guy's name. He was a number. He didn't even have a name anymore. And for years, he was just a number. They took his family away from him. They took all his possessions. They gave him a suit with a number on the back. That was it. And he goes, but the one thing that they could never take is how I chose to respond. Right. And so what I'm excited about is I think people are being forced because of all the stuff that's happened over the last few years and all the stuff that's coming out politically and misinformation. I'm not going to get into it. You know, if you've been awake, conscious for the last four years, you get it. But people are starting to take responsibility and take ownership of their life. And you have to, if you want the life that you want, nobody's going to give it to you. You have to take it. Love that. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you, Dr. Sowsley, and follow along on your journey? Yeah. You know, I don't have anything that I'm selling online, unfortunately, like a book or a program or coaching or anything like that. Although I, I would love to be able to provide those services in the future. I would say right now, the best thing is you can either follow me on Instagram. I try to put out a bunch of valuable, actionable content on a pretty regular basis on Instagram. And then I do have a podcast called Win Your Health. And it's a lot of this stuff. We take a topic every week and we unpack it. And eventually we're going to have more and more guests on there. But for right now, we just take things like weight loss. And we talk about what are some of the key things that lead to weight loss resistance and what to do about it. We talk about chronic pain. We talk about inflammation. And so as of right now, my goal, my mission is just to educate and empower as many people as I can. And I believe that God will turn that into whatever it's supposed to turn into. But I've just realized that Within my four walls of my clinic, I can only help the number of people that I could physically see in a day. And that's great. And they're my priority, but I would love to help. And I do love helping people through those other platforms as well. So Instagram at Dr. Ryan Sousley, and then the Win Your Health podcast, which should be pretty much anywhere you could find a podcast. Got it. And we'll put that in the show notes down below for all of our listeners to easily access and I'll give you the closing comment. If you have any closing comment you might like to share with our listeners on the way out. Well, my closing comment is actually just to acknowledge and appreciate you, Alan. The way we got connected is kind of an interesting story because there's a guy in my men's group who you interviewed, Ben Taves, just a while ago. And then it turns out you actually know a lot of the same people that I know and have very close relationships with. But you know, I think it's people like you who you've achieved this incredible level of success in business. You have everything that you need in life. It's like, what's next? What's next? What's How can I help more people? How can I, it's been said that you're best positioned to help your former self. And it's like, you have all this stuff. You could easily just sit back and go, I'm good, man. Me and my family, we're good. I got what I need. Peace out, you know? Just be over here enjoying my life for the next several decades. But you're not. It's like, how can I take that? and go even further above and beyond. And I think that's how we see a positive change in this world. I think it's also how we continue to evolve and push towards our potential. Again, I don't think we ever actually reach it, but I think it's people like you who are doing stuff like this, your podcasts and the book that's coming out in August or September, which I can't wait for, by the way. And you obviously are hungry to not just provide content and share your experience, but you're also hungry to continue to learn and to synergize with other thought leaders. And I just love it. It's super encouraging and inspiring to me. It makes me want to be better so that I can provide more value. It makes me want to connect with more people. And I really believe that what you're doing is life-changing and ultimately world-changing. So I just greatly appreciate you and all you're doing. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really do consider it an honor and a privilege to get to 
share past failures, mistakes, lessons learned, and things I'm learning and growing in with others. When God told us it's better to give than receive, he knew what he was talking about. And I see you doing the exact same thing. So thank you so much for taking your time. I know there's 101 other things you could have been doing today. Thank you for hopping on here and sharing your story and your experience, your challenge and your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Alan. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a ton of value from this episode. And as a token of appreciation for enjoying the show, if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating as well as a genuine review, whether it's just a sentence or a paragraph, that's up to you. I would like to show my gratitude to you by sending you a free sample of our all-organic 22-amino acid meal replacement protein shake. We'll even cover the shipping cost. I drink this every day and love it. For the blood sugar control, fat burning, natural energy, and strength building it's provided me over the past 22 years now. And I'm confident that you will love it too. When leaving a review, simply take a screenshot of your review and send it over to me on my Instagram account, at Alan B. Blaine, found in the show notes below. And be sure to include your mailing address so that we can get this shipped out to you right away. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode.